0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Chakras and Cusswords, our first video edition. <laughs> yeah. And today I'm so excited because I have Dr. Jennifer Shaw, who has been in the health and wellness field for over 17 years. She is a doctor of physical therapy and also a keynote speaker for a billion dollar international health and wellness company. And she has um, also developed a yoga instructing program. And she's a yoga instructor and in expertise in anatomy, alignment and injury prevention, which I'm going to have to ask you some tips on on preventing some back injuries. Honey. And through her journey, she actually ha- had an accident and chronic pain, and she's learned to basically heal and heal others and helping others create a healthy lifestyle that is not only healthy, but sustainable. So thank you. Thank you. And she is doing all this through oils, essential oils, aromatherapy. And much, much more. So Jen, please, please, please introduce yourself and let us know a little bit about you. Hello,
1: hello, Catherine. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you guys today. Um, When I met Catherine, I was like, chakras, cuss words, those are two of my favorite things. Let's talk. (laughs) Uh, A little bit about me, just background is I am from uh, New York, born and raised, spent 24 years there. That's where the cuss words come in. (laughs) You know well. <laughs> the, the, the little more abrasive personality. Uh, and I've been out in San Diego now for just over 12 years. And I was three weeks into my physical therapy career when I was hit by a car. I was T-boned by a car while riding my bike. And I suffered a spinal cord injury, a brain injury, a brain stem injury. And what I like to call all the other back injuries. So when people come to me and they're like, oh, my back hurts. Oh, I have a herniated yeah. disc. I'm like, that's so cute. <laughs> oh, <like, "Me> <laughs> it's like when someone's like, oh, I have like, like a heart palpitation. You're like, that's cute. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but You know, I get it. Everyone's on their journey, right? But right. I went from being a professional cheerleader, doctor of physical therapy to holy crap, what is going on in my life? And I listened to Western medicine for the first eight months. I took every pill. By the end of eight months, I was taking 30 pills a day and I was completely disabled. Wow. And I was told at that point that I was going to be dependent on these pills for the rest of my life. There was nothing oh, wow. that could be done for me. So I went home like any rational 25 year old, drank a bottle of wine, put my meds in a shoebox, and put the shoebox in the closet and said, F the doctors. I'm going to find right. my own way. And that led me on this journey of self-discovery and healing and getting into yoga, becoming a yoga instructor, uh, leaning heavily on my acupuncturist and uh, other modalities like meditation, mindfulness. And there was a point where my acupuncturist was like, I have a client that uses essential oils to help with her chronic pain. I was like, cute, moving on. And she was like, you're going to meet with her. I'm like, no, I'm not. And she's like, yes, you are. And I was like, I'm not going to. She's (laughs) like, I'm not going to see you again until you meet with her. And I was like, you know, my Achilles heel, fine. I will meet with her. So <laughs> I met with her and I remember looking at her and saying like, listen, girl, I'm gonna buy these. I'm gonna do everything you tell me to do. And then I'm gonna come back to you and show you how they don't work. And then we can all just move on with our lives. And she was like, okay. <laughs> and within six weeks of doing what I was instructed to do uh, with my doTERRA oils, I experienced my first pain-free day. Wow. And I was floored. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. These things are magic. Yeah. I gotta know more. And I went back and I was like, tell me more. And she's like, you should do this as a business. I was like, I will never do this as a business. And she's like, okay. Oh no, you said never. (laughs) I know. Six months later I started my doTERRA business and it, I've never looked back. It has been the most beautiful thing in the entire world that has helped me create a life that I love. It helped me survive, um, a narcissistic relationship and marriage and provide for me through that divorce. Um, it's helped provide for me as a single female in San Diego you know now I'm embarking on a beautiful partnership with my uh, my boyfriend Owen and um moving in and doing all the things that I never thought I'd do again and a lot of it's thanks to these oils in this business and this growth and this journey and the trauma and the healing and all the things yes. so
0: I'm here for oh, it I love doTERRA like it's amazing I know so many um people who use it consistently that's the oils that I use I love the um The, is is it the blue, blue Mm -hmm. ice or uh, deep blue, deep blue? Yes, that's it. I, that one is the best. And I have tried ones with CBD. I have tried it all. Um, I used to lift a lot of heavy weights and that was the only one that really helped my knee. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. But I'm so thankful that you brought up the relationship aspect because This is what we're here for. Season two, we're talking everything relationships. And you said you were in a narcissistic relationship. Yeah. And how long were you in that? Was that a long relationship? So,
1: you know, as I've done more work and healing, I've recognized some patterning in my family growing up and just things that I experienced uh, that... We're conditioning, right? We learn what relationships should look like yeah. from about the age of four to 12, seven to 12, four to 12, depending on what you read. So I learned that, um, you know, co- I learned codependency. I learned how to be a martyr. I learned, um, you know, those, the, those, those narcissistic tendencies were comforting because that was what I, I experienced mm-hmm. as a child. I have beautiful parents. I love them both dearly. They were doing the best with what they could. Right. Real clear on that. Like they they were doing the best they could with what they knew. Right. And, uh, and that's all I can ask of my parents. They gave me a beautiful home and all of that. But I learned a really, uh, an example of love and relationships that I would never want to duplicate. Unfortunately, it took me till 33 to realize that I didn't want to duplicate that. So I was dating my ex-husband, who again is a good man who has a lot of trauma and a lot of unhealed wounds and had a bad example. And that was, you know, uh, his parents were doing the best they could. And that was just what he knew and what he was comfortable with. And I was dating him for one month when I got hit by that car.
0: Oh, wow. So you, so yeah, I can
1: honestly say that I don't think that relationship would have had the longevity it had had if I hadn't have become Mm. a surviving Thing of chronic pain, like yeah. I, I was need, I needed him, yeah. and he loved that. And uh, we were together for. So I was in severe chronic pain for five and a half years. Okay, okay. before I was introduced to DoTerra. So we were together for five and a half years, right? Okay. I was small. I was little. I was quiet, quieter. I mean, I'm not quiet at all, but I was quieter, and I was. I just. I was this shell of myself and he fell in love with that version of me. Now, here I am Mm -hmm. 25 years in my life when I meet him, 30 years into my life when I'm in five years of chronic pain and I'm starting to... Feel better. So a five-year chunk of my whole life was the small version. I hated it. I wanted to be big. I wanted to be me again. As I started to heal, I remember talking to friends from home, and they're like, "You sound like yourself again. Jen's back. Oh my god." I'm like, "I am back. Girl is back." (laughs) But to him, it was uh... I was changing. I was different. So when I look back objectively, I'm like, "Oh, he thought he was losing me." Yeah. So what did he do? He proposed. And I'm like, oh, we've been together for six and a half years. Like, yeah, yeah that's a- what we're supposed to do. This right. is the box to check next. I was a really yeah. good box checker for the first 30 years of my life. I suck at it now. Yeah. I take your boxes box and shove them up checkers. your ass. But now you try to give me to check a box. And I'm like, I'll show you all the reasons you should never check that box. Right. But um, I I was like, yeah, and I love him. I always will love him. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, let's get married. And there was things in that engagement that I was like, oh, fuck, what am I doing? And I ignored the yellow flags. I ignored the red flags. I ignored the blaring silence, sirens. I was like, no, we're fine. This is it. It'll be good. It'll be good once we get married. Like, don't look this way. <laughs> and and I got married.
0: Yeah.
1: And I remember coming home from our honeymoon and realizing that I
0: was now owned. And was, okay, uh, it was Was like, like, automatically when you got married, you, like, you felt that sense, like, I'm now a possession, like, I'm owned, he owns me. Yeah,
1: and, and it was interesting, we came home, so we eloped and had, like, 21 days in Hawaii, and when I, we came home, and his family called him and gave him two very disturbing facts of information, like, So he went from here to like, oh, okay. In an instant. Oh. And in that moment, I realized what I had just done. I realized that I was in trouble. And it was then evolved to things like, you know, I look back now and I'm like, fuck. I like, I let him chip away and and I remember there was this time frame in my life where I was like I don't understand how women stay in abusive relationships how do they do that what's wrong with them why don't they just leave yo if you've ever said that shut your mouth and like take it back now like yeah you don't because you, you're in that relationship and I'm oh, a strong right. will driven ass person and I looked back and was like holy shit yeah I didn't even know like that was that was inch by inch, centimeter by centimeter, maybe foot by foot, but barely. I mean, it was like, it just crept up. And then when that happened, it it became, that's not what my wife wears. That's not what my wife says. My wife doesn't talk about that. Like I wasn't allowed to talk about my story with my accident.
0: Nobody wanted to hear about that. Wow. Yeah. So it took away, I don't want to say I, well, so the relationship took away the sense of who you were in some way. That was, it was me trying to be who would make him
1: happy because okay. that would keep peace in the home. But what I've learned is nothing was going to ever make him happy, right? Right. And yeah, and it just, it, I, I look back now and I'm like, you spent so long trying to make him happy. And now my one of my favorite sayings is think about how hard it is to change yourself and recognize how impossible it is to change somebody else. I was never going to be the thing that brought him joy. He still to this day, uh, three years later, thinks I'm the thing that could solve his problems, right? But <laughs> no one can solve your problems. No, you can solve, you good. can do your healing, you can come yeah. to Jesus and have those aha's and say, Oh shit, I have made yeah. some mistakes and I'm going to make some amends and I'm going to heal my ass. Like, that's what I'm going to do. But, but yeah, we, and, and we were together for a year and a half married. Okay. And I kept growing in my business. I kept growing in myself. God, I look back now and I'm like, oh my God, I would be so much further in business if I hadn't like, and and then I'm like, that's stupid. Don't worry about it. You learned so much. Right. right. Like I've gained yeah. so much knowledge from that. And I did accomplish a ton considering the thumb I was under, right? And and I remember this is kind of a pivotal point. I was working a physical therapy job four days a week, eight hours a day. I was seeing home health patients and I was running my doTERRA business.
0: Wow, right. you were busy. And
1: yeah, I, I was in survival mode, right. right? On top of that, I was paying... 90% of the bills. Oh. I was doing all the cooking, all the cleaning, all the grocery shopping. This is kind of like a very funny thing that some people in my life will understand. I was the one that got the water. Like we we yeah. don't drink the tap water in San Diego. Like I did it all. Yeah. Right. It still was never enough, but I did it all. Right. So then I left the school district and the side PT job. And I was at a point where my business was paying my bills and I was all in. Okay. I was all in. I was going for it. Um, and I went to him and I said, he's like, you're very stressed. What, what's up? And I was like, I need help. I do blah, 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 blah. Can you take one thing off my plate? And, he, and he looked at me and he said, I don't understand. When you worked full time and ran your business, you had no problem doing it all. Why is it a problem now? <laughs> you're like now it's catching up with me I was floored and I remember like a couple months after that statement I brought that back up he's like I would have never said that and I was like uh oh yeah I'm the, oh, I'm I'm the crazy one that's right that's right I make right. things up got it understood uh and it was this really hard moment for me where I was like he doesn't even want to help me yeah like he doesn't he doesn't care about my well-being not that he doesn't actually care about my well-being but he doesn't know how to care about my well-being like he did not have the tool set to do it and i remember looking at him and just like shaking my head moving on and then we'd had conversations of like you know we need to change things i'm not happy you hurt my feelings all of them you know pushed under the rug they never happened i never brought these things up whatever I did I even left for a weekend and was like we need to talk I need some space I need to clear my mind I need to come back and we need to talk and then when I came back he pretended everything was fine and then two oh, weeks later wow. he was like you just left for a weekend and then you come back and you pretend everything's fine I'm like you pretended everything was fine like I don't know what to do here <laughs> uh
0: it was exhausting yeah. and then finally I left so when you first, like when you were first in the, after you asked him for the help and you realized like, this is a lot, I'm not getting the mutual respect. I'm not getting the mutual work towards the relationship back because I'm doing all these things and I'm not getting any help. Yeah. Did you realize it was, he was narcissistic or did you think he was just an asshole? <laughs> oh good question
1: I didn't know he was a narcissist until we were in marriage um and couples therapy and after I left him
0: oh okay I was I just thought he was an asshole right you're like this guy's a fucking asshole <laughs> like yeah that? yeah
1: I'm like he like like and then you know what though the, th- the truth is Catherine if I'm being honest at that time I was so deep in the emotional abuse that I actually thought I was asking for too much.
0: Mm, okay. So you were okay. like, you're like, I should be able to kind of get this stuff done. So rationalize it in your head. Yeah. Like something's missing with.
1: I'm not good enough.
0: Yeah. I'm not good I mean, at- I'm
1: getting told I'm not good enough over and over again. I'm going to start right. to
0: believe it. Right, right, right. And that's w- what a lot of narcissists like to do make people feel like they're not good enough so they can continue to try to gain their worth in the eyes of the narcissist, which is never going to fucking happen ever, (laughs) ever. And I think a lot of women get into that mode and they might, you know, some guys just might be fucking assholes, but an asshole will sometimes change his traits Mm -hmm. and become a better person. Mm-hmm. and say look i i'm i'm being a fucking asshole like i need to stop being a jerk and i can help my wife out and i can do i can do these things yeah. um my husband has a shirt that says i'm the best asshole husband you'll ever meet <laughs> that's so funny <laughs> because there's times you can have his asshole moments but yeah. he also looks back at it and say okay let me you know let me help her out with this or you know whatever yeah but um, the thing is with the narcissist that I think a lot of women don't understand is they're not going to change no matter what you do, no matter how much pleading, no matter how much therapy. Mm-hmm. It's not- but
1: they will always leave just enough of a breadcrumb. They know. So, so they know how much they have to give to get you to come back oh okay and as abuse happens the give is bigger in the beginning okay it's a big gift it's a vacation it's the huge act of you know apologies right yeah you come back and then the next time it's a little less like oh maybe I don't have to do that much oh she came back oh maybe I don't have to do that much she came back right and it's like this ebb and flow so so I honestly I just thought he was a bad husband.
0: <laughs> right? Like, I was like, I just married a bad,
1: bad one. That he's yeah. not a good husband, and I'm not a good enough wife. And this is this is bad. Yeah. And I'm I'm miserable, and I have to I have to get out of this. Like, and and I when I recognized through therapy and through speaking with my counselor about the actual traits of narcissism. And checking them off the, the list of like, yep, 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 yep. And then I then I had sympathy for him. I had compassion for him. And I was like, wow, where did this come from? Like, and I looked at that and then I had compassion for his childhood. And and I had compassion for the healing that he hasn't done yet. And I was able to walk away and say, this isn't my healing to do.
0: Yeah, no. The
1: only healing I have to do now is the recovery from the trauma. And that is hard work. But there was like a lot of books and things that I leaned into. Like I had to come to the realization that I, I allowed that. I was codependent. Mm-hmm. Right. So I have to take ownership of that part for me. And I still have certain patternings, like me and my partner are moving in together. And I'm like, okay, so this is my MO. This is what I tend to do. Mm -hmm. Will you call me on it when you see it? And he's like, okay. So he, like, I know my codependent traits and I'm able to have conversations with him about it to say, Mm -hmm. hey, let's, let's keep an eye out for me falling into these old patterns. Right. And that comes from me doing the fucking work like I didn't get out of this relationship and say yo I'm healed So I got out of this relationship and I drank all the wine in the world for a year got another shitty ass relationship and then was like oh sister you have some problems and then my Reiki healer was like girl no guys no alcohol six months and I was like that's that's a good that's a good idea yeah and I did it I stopped drinking on that day June 11th 2019 so get this it's kind of crazy You'll love this. I left my ex-husband June 13th, 2018. Okay. Uh-huh. He was at work and I realized that I had to go. And I I planned it on that Monday. I went to tell him on um, Tuesday morning that I was leaving. And I woke up to a text message that my niece had had a seizure. My niece and I are like super connected like this. And I was like, that's the universe saying, don't tell him. Yeah. And I was like, okay. So I had my plan and I left when he was at work on Wednesday. I get fucking chills thinking about it. And you know, what's interesting is um, when the reason I finally left is I had a friend say to me, your niece, what she sees in your relationship is what she will duplicate. Do you want her to have this relationship? And I was like, no. And that's what got me to leave. And then the crazy thing was she had the seizure that stopped me from having the conversation that allowed me to leave and sever that tie the way I did. So there's you know I always believe yeah. nothing's a coincidence. But so June 13th 2018 I left. June 11th of 2019 I got sober. And June 12th of 2020 I started dating the love of my life. Wow. The absolute best match in the world for me. Like I all I've been through in life is so I can be a good partner for him.
0: Ah. <laughs> And it's just crazy how it's like boom 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 when did you uh, so they say like a woman who is in an abusive if it's physical or if it's an emotional um relationship it takes them about seven tries or seven attempts to fully get out especially in um like with domestic violence i don't know if that was something you were going through but just having the mindset is like, it's time for me to leave. How did you get there? What, what was, was there a trigger? Was there one time where you're like, this is enough? Or was it a multiple where you're like, okay.
1: So it was definitely like little things of me realizing I needed to leave, like the way, um, It was never physical abuse. It was only emotional abuse. And now I should take the word only out because so those of you guys listening that are in an emotionally abusive marriage or relationship, uh, this doesn't have to be with just your significant other. This could be with your parents, your siblings, coworkers, anything. I have spoken to many women who have been in physical and emotionally abusive relationships. They all say physical heals, emotion doesn't. Like emotion takes the hardest work. So if you are sitting there saying, but he doesn't give me a black eye, guys, that's worse. Yeah. It's worse because it's all in your head. So emotional abuse is crazy. And it took me a lot to recognize like that was domestic violence. That was like a really unhealthy place, right? And and there was that weekend that I left and there was um, the decision I made when my friend said that to me, it was about two weeks before I decided to leave him. And then we had like, I had to teach something and we were all meeting at a friend's house and we were supposed to barbecue at the friend's house. I was working all day. I was going to be starving, but they were barbecuing. So I was like, I'll just get there and I'll eat barbecue. Well, then I get there and no one's there and they had all gone out to eat. And it was this stupid thing that was like, you knew I was hungry. Why didn't you just ask me if you could pick me up food? But it comes down to like, literally like he didn't know how to care about my well-being, So he didn't ask me that. So then. Like I called in food, and it happened to be that I was like, you know what? Where you guys ate actually sounds the best. And looking back, I'm probably like that was kind of like a little middle, middle finger, fuck right. you. I was like, I'm gonna pick up fucking takeout from where you guys ate. So I went and picked myself up takeout, and my my friend had come in and was, are you eating from so and so? And I was like, yeah, I got takeout. And he's like, why didn't we get you takeout? And I was like, it's a great question. And he's like, what right. do you mean? I was like, well. I understood you guys were barbecuing here. And then I got here and then no one was here. And my husband chose to not tell me any of these things. And now I had to go pick up myself, take out. And now I brought it back here to get myself food. And the situation makes as little sense to me as it does to you. And he was like, he just looked at me and he put his hand on me and he's like, I'm really sorry, Jen. Yeah. Like he could just see how hurt I was over it. And it was like a stupid thing. So that night we went home. My husband had been drinking. I was the one that dro- drove. And this was like the vessel of abuse was the car. The doors closed and it was like, shoo. And all of a sudden the face that he had on at the party was gone. It was straight faced. It was, what did I do wrong? What am I going to get in trouble for? I can't tell you the things I got in trouble for on the way home from family get togethers and gatherings, holding babies wrong, helping too much, not helping enough, eating too much, not eating enough, drinking too much, not drinking, having too much fun, not having fun. Like you name it. I got in trouble for it. No matter
0: what you did.
1: And it was, and it was always the car closed and it was like, and I was like, oh, here we fucking go. That like 15 minutes home was like the worst. So we get home and I was pissed at this whole thing. I'm like, just pissed. Like his lack of care for me. And I said to him, I need to get something off my chest or I'm not gonna be able to sleep. Mm -hmm. And he was like, okay. And I explained the situation to him and he laughed at me and said, I can't believe something that stupid was going to keep you up at night. And I just was like, that was on a Saturday, uh huh, or was a Sunday? Might have been a Sunday, and it was Saturday or Sunday. And then Monday, I called my coach at the time, and I was like, "I'm leaving," and she's like, "What do you mean?" I was like, "I'm leaving for good," and she's like, "Oh, hold on, I have been waiting for this phone call." (laughs) She never told me to leave anything. (laughs) (laughs) And she was like, "Let's make a plan," and I was like, "Let's make a plan." You have and she's to. like, you need to call these people, these people, this is what you need to do. Dah, 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 dah. And she helped me create a plan. And then I was going to tell him on Tuesday that I was leaving that happened with the seizure. And then I left on Wednesday, but then a month after no contact, I agreed to meet with him. Okay. One time. So we met in the park and he's like, so that's it. We're done. And I was like, yeah, yeah what, what are you offering? Like, what do you mean? Yeah. What do you think? I'm just going to come home. And he was like, would you go to counseling with me? And I was like, yeah, I've been with you for nine years. I'll go to counseling. And then we went to counseling and I oscillated a little bit there because in the beginning of counseling, he tried just enough to get me to think he was trying. Okay. And then I caught on and was like, oh shit, he's he's not. But my, my counselor was good. And she called me in by myself and asked me a lot of questions and kind of asked me like a checklist of questions was like, da, mm-hmm. da, 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 da. And stated to me, the way you describe him makes him sound like a diagnosable narcissist. And I was like, wait, give me the list. And we went through and I was like, oh shit.
0: You're like, let me see this list.
1: And we we did. We went over it. And she and then I remember looking at her and, and my ex-husband was a big man. He was six, four, I'm 4'11. So just huge difference in size yeah right? different difference yeah so when you're looking at that in terms of safety for a female that's mm-hmm. scary right and I, I remember saying to her okay I'm gonna leave I'm done like I'm gonna go get the rest of my stuff out of the house and she just scooted forward on her chair with like this serious look in her eyes and was like you will never go back to that house again do you understand me and I was like yeah she goes, unless you are, have, are escorted by a sheriff, you will not go in that home. Do you promise me? And I was like, okay, okay, I yeah. promise. And I got like tears in yeah. I was thinking about it. I'm like all these chills. And I just realized how serious it was.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, so when you started to see the list or the traits that she brought up and when you're in the relationship you know you said you thought he was an asshole and not necessarily a narcissist yeah. what w- were the three ones that really stuck out to you the most
1: so when I really think about the the traits that that were like the biggest because I thought of narcissists as like showboaty big, like, and he's a victim narcissist. So woe is me. Everything's happening against me. The world's against me. Right. Yeah. So I didn't realize that there are different kinds of narcissism. And mm-hmm. what really hit home for me was the way the the ability of a narcissist to get you to question your own beliefs, So the way it's described that they will skew what you do and say to a point where you question reality Mm -hmm. was the one that I was like, I just remember being like, so I'm not crazy. Like these things did happen. Like these conversations did happen. Like I'm not the one losing my mind here. Right. And that, like that gaslighting part was like the biggest one that I was like, oh, oh my God. Like, yeah. and I started to see the patternings and I was like,
0: Whoa. yeah, his narcissist. Um, I actually did a interview with two women who were talking about how they worked for narcissists. Oh yeah. And, you know, it's like perfect leader Or narcissist, you know, it's very, almost like a fine line because some of the traits that the narcissist has is what people are attracted to the confidence, the, the leadership skills. Mm -hmm. And then when you actually see who they are, you see that this isn't healthy. This is not, Mm -hmm. not a leader. So, Mm um. the gaslighting is huge. And that's one of the things that um, they said as well that they felt almost like, Am I fucking going crazy here? Mm-hmm. They will lie and make you think that you almost like heard something, you know, like they will just mm-hmm. totally lie to your face and make you feel like you're crazy.
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh-huh. And- yeah. And the other thing that goes along with that that was a huge one for me that I think a lot of people in these relationships will understand is the Jekyll and Hyde, the narcissists act different in public than in private. So when I left him, I got a lot of, well, someone would only leave that way if they were cheating or if there was abuse and there's no way he's abusing her. So she must be cheating. And it took about two years to start getting messages back from people saying they were sorry
0: yeah because he's that perfect person he's that you know that Mm -hmm. amazing leader yeah real nice guy
1: yeah and then you know I, I would say that so the gaslighting the Jekyll and Hyde and then the um the the idea of like they're even if they're not successful they think that they are the fucking shit
0: Mm-hmm. it's like
1: their shit doesn't stink they do everything better than everybody else no matter what it is and it's like no you actually you you, you actually don't but yeah okay like,
0: and the they like believe they're like real. the best
1: partner ever the best employee ever the best boss ever the best like everything like those are the ones that kind
0: of like right. popped out to me that I was like
1: who the
0: whole you can't get anybody better than me yeah type, you know, yeah,
1: lack of sympathy, lack of empathy, uh-huh, those were big ones, like, yeah, I just started to go down the list, and it was like I think it's it's thirteen points on the the narcissism checklist for diagnosing, and i I remember there being like two, maybe three that weren't, um, and I was like,, Ooh,
0: okay, yeah. yeah, so when you finally left the relationship was he okay with it? Or did he have a very hard time accepting it? Um,
1: June will be three years. I still am contacted. He is not, he tells me that I can come home at any
0: point. Oh, okay. Even though you've moved on, he's still, (laughs) wow.
1: And that's where my heart hurts. Right. For him, for his family. for the relationships he's ruined since I've left. Like, Mm -hmm.
0: yeah,
1: my heart hurts. I want him to be happy. I want him to be able to move on. But I also look at the last three years and the healing I've done, the time, the energy, the money, the tears I've invested. Like I'm sober now two years. And the, the the realization for me with the sobriety was that like, I was just masking emotions.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, that's all alcohol was to me.
0: Yeah.
1: And I was not the, like, crack a beer at 6 a.m. alcoholic. I was the, it's socially acceptable to drink one to four glasses of wine every single night alcoholic. Yeah. Like, might be socially acceptable, but not to my liver or my brain or my emotions or my soul.
0: Right. Or my chakras or my anything. Right. Definitely. It's, it's not... A lot of people think that, well, you know, it's okay with society to come home and, you know, drink every day, but what what are we drinking for?
1: Yeah, what are you numbing? What are you numbing
0: out? Yeah. So so I look
1: at like all the healing I've done, it's like I'll say like this partnership I have is the greatest relationship I've could have ever imagined. Mm -hmm. And the first three months were hard. It was trauma response after trauma response, after trigger. Like we had to like show up and both of us, we both came from uh, relationships with people with high conflict personality disorders. And we both had to show up and figure out how to be there for ourselves, be there for each other. I will say now a year into that relationship, it's the easiest relationship I've ever been in, but it's because we don't shy away from any hard conversation. Mm -hmm. And before we have it, we say we love each other and I'm not going anywhere. Like
0: I'm here. Yeah.
1: Like nothing's changing that. We need to talk about this.
0: Yeah. Definitely establish that. When, um, when you started your healing process, what did it look like? What were the Give me three fundamentals that you used for it. Um, Cut alcohol. Okay, that's a good one.
1: And read the Body Keeps the Score.
0: That's a huge one.
1: And surround yourself with people who are willing and able to talk about the hard stuff.
0: Definitely. Definitely. And I think like so many of us are scared. Like they say, I don't want to be like trauma dumping, or I don't want to like open up all my wounds to others. Cause I don't open want them to. up, oh, but you have to open them up and open there's, all be, there's, yeah. And there's going to be people who are able to take in that energy and receive it and then let it back out. So
1: yeah, We always joke in our relationship that like we at least balance it out where it's like, I have a trauma response. He is a trauma response. And right. it doesn't always have to be with us, right? Like no. sometimes it's triggered by my family, sometimes it's triggered by his family, but like, oh. we're always like, oh, he's like super strong yeah. for me. And then I'm like super strong for him. And we somehow have this ebb and flow where it's like, yeah. Oh, okay. And then sometimes
0: we get to do my seasons of flat where it's like, no trauma responses. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) no, they're all gone. Go away, go away. Well, thank you so much for tuning in and showing up for Chakras and Passwords. And please let everybody know where to find you. Totally, yeah.
1: This is a fun conversation. One that we need to have more of, right? So definitely the best place to find me guys is on my Instagram. It's Natural Wellness Tips. You can find my Instagram, my podcast, and my YouTube are all the same natural wellness tips. Uh, And if you guys want, if you go over to my Instagram, you can find my free morning routine checklist in my link, in my profile, or you can go to my website, www.drjennifershaw.com dot com forward slash morning routine and check that out i hope you guys enjoy it i hope you come over and say hello uh we guys stick together so if you're not uh able to talk about on a larger platform as this come talk to me in my dm
0: i'm here for you definitely thank you so much jen thank you and everybody thank you for listening and now watching chakras and customers thank you